fine. And you guys are like, man, Eddie's uh, lunch is sounding pretty good right about now. But we're going to go to this. All right, guys, about to right this morning. Yeah. A little cross grip. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, take it. Well, the here, kids, you got it. First, you church plant, you're starting off. Got lots of art. I want to say, of course, thank you to Pastor Mario. I see you have a cross grip. For all the hospitality guys in the show, you have been nothing but blessings to us. Uh, as tough as Mario is, I mean, he's all pretty good. So, Mario, thank you so much on behalf of I'm pumped up today. I'm super pumped up today because we celebrated baptism, and we saw Jay, and we saw uh, uh, Andrew get baptized, and Mario get baptized. It was so awesome, and we celebrated communion today, and that was the Lord's Supper, and we do this in remembrance of Him and all the great things He's done for us. And I'm also excited today because I feel that today, before the service is closed, we will have people who will choose to cross over from death into life and walk with Jesus today. I believe that. Amen? Amen? And this is total improv. I need players. But I don't even see why we need to wait. Like, why do we come to church and we wait all the way to the very end of the service we have that little moment with God? You know, God is knocking on your heart. He was knocking on your heart to come to church. It is not a coincidence that you're in this building today. There is a reason why you're here. And the reason is that he is knocking on your heart. And you're ready to answer that door. So if you're ready to do that, why wait? Amen? Amen. So I want someone to bow our heads right now. We don't need no music. We don't need no band playing. We don't need no magical instruments playing. We're going to just do this the way, the way it should be done. And if you come here, don't wait any longer. Because you tell you what, I tell you what, you might not make it out of this service. You might not. You might get bored and get up. You might say, man, this guy sucks and they keep talking. I'm just going to leave. Just do it right now. Now please, bow your heads. Father God, I know in this room of so many that there is at least one heart that is seeking you. God, I pray, and I know that there is one that you are looking for, that there is at least one in this room. That you are knocking on their heart. God, they, they don't need to wait for you, Lord. Now is the time. Now is the time to make that commitment to follow you with every head bowed, every eye closed, and look around. If that is you, would you please just say this with me? Say, Father God, God Jesus, I realize that I am not perfect. I can't do this alone. I can't be the father or the husband that you need me to be, the wife or the mom, the son or daughter that you want me to be without you. And I pray right now, guys, pray this right now in your hearts. God, please come into my heart. I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. I want to trust you with everything in my life. And you know what? It's not going to be easy. I am going to slip and fall. Thank you, God, for keeping your love for me boundless. Guys, if you said that prayer, congratulations, you crossed over to death and the life and saved your resurrection. May God give him a hand. Come on. Why wait? My kids said, Why wait? Why can't we just eat the snacks now? I'll be good with the cakes and all that stuff now. Why wait? 
So uh, you guys have been studying this whole missional messiah movement, and you guys have had this this uh, new word kind of tossed about and kind of thrown on you. It's this word called missional, right? I'll say missional with me. Missional. Okay, and for you guys, it might be something kind of new, but for us at Impact City, it's kind of part of our DNA. It's kind of part of the, uh, the foundation of what we live and kind of what we started off with. It is so awesome that you guys are just uh, venturing into this whole idea of what it means to be missional, which really not a new idea. I mean, really, the, the, the disciples were doing it, and Jesus was doing it when he was around, and you know, he's still doing it in our hearts. Missional is the way we live. And so what I wanted to do today is very quickly, because of course time is very low, and then you guys got the barbecue to go to, you guys got deals to deal they're like going down right now, you guys got everything going, so I'm going to just kind of go kind of fast. But what I want to do is kind of elevate us about 35,000 feet up there, just kind of do a little hover over what missional is. Just kind of do a little recap and kind of close out this awesome series that your pastor's been preaching to you guys. Amen? All right. So what you guys do, you guys put please open to Romans 12. Open up to Romans chapter 12. We can start in verse 1. I'll let you guys give me a little bit of time to get there. Starting off from verse 1. The Bible says, and so. Stop right there. Some of your translations might say, therefore. Some of your translations might say the word because. Mine says, and so. And you can't come to a word that says, and so, or therefore, or because, and not wonder what that means, right? And someone says, hey, because this, 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 and you're like, because of what? Because what we're talking about, right? It kind, of, it kind of doesn't take the full effect of what they say after that, unless you know what they say before that. So the Bible says, and so, Paul's right to the church of Rome says, and so, and so what? So what? Well, what's he saying? And so, it says here, it says, uh, therefore, because, because of what? we got to understand what he's talking about so we can fully understand what he's about to say. And what he's talking about is everything in chapter 11. I'm not going to read all of chapter 11 to you. We've got time for that today, but I will kind of paraphrase it for you guys. In chapter 11, Paul is writing the letter to the new church of Rome. There are a bunch of new Christians. There are a bunch of hotheads. Okay, they kind of get this whole thing kind of, they're kind of radicals in a way. And so what Paul is doing, he's never been to Rome, but he, he's heard of the awesome church that started up in Rome. It's like 378 AD. And so he's like, heard of all these awesome things. He's like, now I gotta write a letter to these guys and kind of encourage them, but I also gotta kind of, uh, like Mark does to me, kind of uh, prepare them and kind of warn them and kind of give them a little bit of structure in their life. And so what he does is he, he does this great letter to, to Rome, which is the book of Romans, and he tells them all these great encouraging words. He talks about how God you know, works all things together, those who love Christ, that's Romans 8. He says all these amazing things that are no condemnation for Christ, those who are Christ Jesus, Romans 8 as well. He says all these great things to the book, to the Romans. And he's talking to them, and he's filling them up. And the, the, in verse in, uh, chapter 11, he basically says this. He says, that God is merciful and he gives us salvation even though we continually push back at him. And he says that he is 
given salvation for both the Jew and the Gentile. For the Gentile, but not the Jew. So not the Jew and the Gentile, right? So he says that for everybody, for everyone, he has given salvation to everybody. All right? And that's some great news, right? That's some awesome news. And what does that mean? What does that exactly mean? Because you guys have to feel, this, uh, feel the weight of this. It means that no matter if you're a Jew, Gentile, Catholic, believer, agnostic, atheist, no matter if you're sexual orientation, or rather than just pure, just pushback from God, or pure rejection of God, the one thing remains the same is that Christ Jesus hung on the cross for you. Whether you want to believe it or not, he did. Amen? It's the one thing that remains. And so, the and so, the, the because, the therefore, the very first two words of chapter 12 means that God has sent a way for you guys to have everlasting life in Christ Jesus. He made a way for you. He has sent His Son as a sacrificial lamb for you. That means we suck, He is awesome, and that is awesome. Amen? I'm preaching here. I'm sorry. Come on. That was just the first two words in the book of chapter 12. How awesome is Christ? And the first two words, he laid out salvation for us. The first two words. Okay? And so, uh, just keep reading on. There's, there's more to it. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. This is the key right here. It says, Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so because of all the awesomeness of God, because of all the great things He's done, because of the sending of His Son, because of the sacrifice of His Son, because of the washing away of sin, because of the forgiveness of our messes, that He continues to forgive us and forgive us and just have grace upon us. Because of all that, God, Paul is saying this. He says, because of all that greatness, all the things that Christ has done for you in your life, you should worship Him. And because of all that, you should worship Him not only in song, with your lives. So we can conclude this first thing is that he died so that we can live. Amen? That's the message of the cross. Him dying so we can live. He took our punishment from us. He paid that. He did that for us. Now, quick question. How many married men do I have in the audience? Married men? Raise your hands, very men. Give me a couple of them. All right. Give me hands up. Give me hands up. Uh, how many happily married men with awesome wives do we have in the audience? Awesome wives? Y'all better keep your hands up if you want to make it to the barbecue at the church. Married men with awesome wives. Amen. Okay? Awesome. Awesome. How many? Uh, awesome wives. Let me ask you this. Awesome wives. Uh, by show of hands. How many guys, how many ladies love your husbands? Love them so much. Yes? Yes, I thank you, sir, for showing that. <laughs> and you guys love your husbands for what they do for you. Amen? And so, uh, so if you love them uh, for what they do for you, and man, if you love your wives and you think they're awesome for what they do for you, now man, you're not straight. I'm not talking about that. For all the awesome things they do for you. Wives, if you're an awesome wife, if you're an amazing wife, you stuff for your man because you love him. You do stuff like you clean the house, you cook, you care for the kids, you dress nice when he comes home, and you do things to show your love and appreciation for him. Now, hopefully, men, if you're doing your part, you should be jumping at the chance to do these things for you. 
If she's not producing heat, you need to check yourself. Is your thermostat that sets the temperature out? Amen? Now, men, your part in the marriage is loving her with all your heart, forgiving her, and extending grace upon her at all times. Even when she backs your car up and to hit the driveway and she spins you the wheels, Sarah? You extended forgiveness to them. Don't believe me. My rap sheet is a model market. Uh, you provide for her, you work hard for her, you care for her, you do things for her, you back her up with the children, so you don't want to do dad who just sits on the couch watching TV all day. Okay, when she's dealing with the kids, you brother dealing with them too. And most of all, men, you need your wife. Okay? And you expect all of what I just said uh, uh, to be done, because you expect her to do all the same things too, right? So you do all of this, and you expect her in return to do a lot of great things for you, right? And you guys, you remember saying, no, you're just scared. And seriously, you say, I do all these things for you. I provide for you. I give you everything that you need. I provide all of your needs. I would at least expect the house to be a little safe when I get home or dinner or something. I want some type of love, some type of connection back, right? But man, what if you went to work and you came home, right? And you come home... And there's Mama Sita, she's right there on the couch, you know what I'm talking about? And she's there like in her sweatpants and her big bag, sure that she wore the bed, she probably got some jewels, some, a sand or some apple sauce or something out there, right? And you're like, man, what's going on? The kids are like running on the house, screaming their stuff, they're throwing this her, and they're just going like crazy up in the house. And you're like, what's going on? And you're like, where's the food? You go to the kitchen, there's a pile of dishes in the sink, and most of us are probably in there, five of all over the place. And she's there watching Maury or like novellas or something, you know? Does that show, and she's like, I love you, baby, with sneaky breath, because you had a crush on me. Does that show love for you? Yes or no? That's not a true question, guys. Just like Christ hung on the cross for us and provided everything that we need in our life, he expects something in return. He expects to be loved. Worship. You know why? Because he gave his son up to you. And if you gave your son up for your wife, and she's still doing that, I don't know. Mama, talk to someone about that. Okay? But Christ died on the cross. He did so many things for us. And he expects us to worship. So that brings you to the second point that he expects us to live. But how should we live? So just to live with as holy sacrifices to be worshipful. I want our lives to be worshiping God, but how do we live? We live by being missional. Paul tells us uh, a few things in uh, the next couple of verses, 9 through 18, of how we should live our lives. I'm just going to kind of zoom through real quick and give you some uh, life ethical ways to kind of connect things that we're going to kind of close, and that's going to be it. But I'm just going to kind of blow it through real quick, okay? So this is, uh, start out with verse 9. He says this. Remember, he said, and so, so because of all that stuff, you should live as uh, holy and uh, living sacrifices to God. And he says, all the way down to verse 9, he says this. He says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And basically, you back your words up with action. Right, don't tell the guy that comes to church and sits in the back, I love that guy, but you're too, you don't ever go over there and say hi to the guy. Or you don't take him out to lunch afterwards. Don't, 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 don't welcome 
the hurt into your into your home, and then they were like really saying too much love for them. What are you doing to back up your actions? It says, don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't tell me you love me unless you do something to show it. Love is a verb. It's an action. Okay? Number two, he says this. Says, Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Basically, don't compromise, but show good through your life. Right? So, I want you to hate what is wrong. But I want you to live your life and hold on to what is good and live that life and let other people see that. Hate what is wrong, but hold on to what is good. That means that you disciple people. Discipling is hard. Mario has been like, like my bro, I don't think you know you old dude. I don't think you should do that. And I'm like, no, I think it's right. He goes, no, it's not. Okay, you know, he, he was holding on to what was good, which was me, but he was also uh, hating what was wrong and correcting me. So in our lives, in our families, in our friends, and the brothers and sisters that we walk with, are we holding them accountable to this life that they couldn't deliver them free? Just love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That means to lovingly and willingly serve people. So outside of the walls of church, how are you serving your friends, your family, the people who've been on Christ, the neighbors on your block? Are you going to them? Are you serving them? Are you cutting the grass? Are you, are you taking them a dinner or something? I know there's people in your neighborhood that can use that. What are you doing to reach out to those people? Love each other with general affection and delight in honoring each other. Next one says, never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. It means lovingly and willingly serve God. Serve your church. Get active in the church. This is not a spectator sport. We come to church and we serve God in what we do. And I'm, just, I'm just taking a guess here. But we have like what, 30, 40 kids this morning. That's a lot of kids. And I think everyone stepped up, but we all can step up a little bit more and do a good job in serving the church. Amen? Amen. Serve God. And do it enthusiastically. Don't be like Sunday morning, be like, oh, man, here I go. I go serve church. And they want me there at 30 to cook like sausage patties. You know, like, no, do it with love. Do it with enthusiastic. You know, just love for that. Those, the people of the church do it because you want to serve God. Do it enthusiastically. It says this also, it says rejoice in our confident hope. That means worship, guys. Say we worship this morning. And the worship man did a fantastic job. And we're going to worship God and really just follow us. And Sunday's is great, but we worship him during the week. I mean, Jesus just doesn't come to church on Sundays to, to, to be worshipped. He wants to worship him every day through your life. So we're worshiping him with what we listen to. We're worshiping him with how we do things in our lives, the way we live our lives, the way we, we uh, communicate with others, when we have our relationship with our, our spouse, our, our friends, our family. Does our life reflect worship? We rejoice in our confident hope. We rejoice in the fact that we're a child of God. It says, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Have faith in God and always pray for God to blow your mind away with everything. Don't ask God to do some mediocre prayer. Like, dude, he's God. Like, ask him to blow your mind away. Ask him to do the impossible because he already did the impossible. 
I know a little girl uh, that was in the hospital. We were praying for her all week long. And I was talking to this one lady, and she was telling me, she goes, man, you know, it's so bad. This is a little, it's a little, little child, a baby, and she does not look good. And I don't even know that she's going to make it tonight. I said, oh, we are afraid. She's like, you know, it's just, it's kind of unreal, you know? And I'm like, we have an unreal God. It's pretty awesome. Man, hallelujah. And so I think as we were praying for that baby and, and it went going on, we saw little miracles, little, little small things in life. And finally, I got news the other day that the baby has uh, started doing this now in her life. And she's gone back to recovery. And she's been like probably like 70 some hours now without infection. And that's awesome. You know why that happened? Because we prayed. Because God said, you know what? What do you want me to do? Oh, you want to blow your mind away? Oh, you want me to do something that only I can do so I can get the glory for that? You want me to heal this child so people can see that? Of course I'll do that. Yeah, let's do it. Bam! And God wants to do that in your lives too. God wants to blow your mind away. So, you know, uh, be patient in trouble. So you guys are in trouble. So you're going through a divorce. So you're going through um, several hardships. You got no job right now. So you're homeless right now. Be patient in trouble and pray and ask God to blow your mind away. Because he will if he gives him glory and honor. Amen? Amen. He also says when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Let me tell you this. Your home is the biggest tool you have to be a witness of Christ. Do you welcome people into your home? Every Wednesday we meet, and we meet throughout the city, but a lot of times we come back into our house and we pray and we eat together. Uh, our small group, we go together, we do fellowship in our small group, uh, what we call our missional city group, is what we call it. And we meet in our home, and there was something there a while back saying, hey, we're not really using our home for what God really wants it to be done. We're getting people here, but we're not really using the home. And the other day we had the opportunity to welcome in two little kids that needed a temporary staying place to stay. So now we're a family of like seven in our house now. And you know what? It's cramped. And you know what? It's uncomfortable. But God is just so happy that his children are being cared for through the use of our home. Practice hospitality. Amen. Hallelujah. God wants us to use our homes as the biggest witness tool that we have Share the gospel with those who are with your neighbors. You know that your house is the house of peace. They may have trouble, but they know that you're the one that has a relationship with Jesus Christ and you have peace in your house. And they can always go there for prayer. Your home should be the number one tool for ministry. Never be afraid to practice hospitality. Amen. He says this He says, uh, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Do you love, pray, and forgive those who hurt you? Amen? Do you and I? It's hard. But one thing I've realized is I'm being mature in Christ, and I've got a long way to go. I'm only 27 years old, and I've got a long way to go in my maturity in Christ. But I realize this, is the more I pray for and forgive those and love those who are against me, the more everyone is blessed. And I don't do it for the blessing. I do it to honor God. But I realize the more... Everything is blessed. The Bible says that to basically kill them with kindness, love your enemies. You'd be surprised what can happen when you love your enemies. 
Umran says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Basically, uh, live life at that moment with that person at that time. So the person's crying and just going bad, and they're like, oh, it's okay, don't cry. It's like the dumbest thing you can say at a funeral, don't cry. Like, okay? Like, no, get there, hold that person, grab around them, weep with that person, feel that person's pain, carry their burdens, and live life with that person. That's being missional, that connection with each other. And they're happy to rejoice with that person. Have a bachanda, have a good time. Come on, that's what we do, right, guys? Amen? Come on, guys. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Uh, okay. Let's keep moving on. So don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. People, you're not all that. We're all sinners. Amen. We all mess up. I don't care if you know the whole Bible. So to say, you're in the same club as him. Let's just realize something here. That we all need Christ, and He has died for all of us. And because of that, we can connect with everyone in this room. Amen? Amen. Let's not be too proud to hang out with someone. Amen? All right. Never get back people with more people. There'll always be a sower of goodness. And finally, Kimon uh, says, uh, Do things in such a way that everyone will see you're honorable. Give God praise for everything. Your job was not given to you because you had a free. Uh, we call it GED or something like that. Your, your job is given to you because God gave it to you. Amen. Amen. Give Him praise. Your family is where exactly because God has allowed you to be blessed at that point to give Him praise. Amen. Give Him praise. Finally, he says this is, and do all that you can to live in peace with everybody. Basically, do whatever it takes. I don't hold back. I would pray for God to purposely put me in the most uncomfortable situations for people so that I can be uh, as do whatever it takes to live peace with people. And believe me, he has been opening doors that I have never thought I'd be going through. And I want you to do the same for you guys. There are people out there who believe the church hates them. Why? Because we have shown that what rejection for most people. Paul says here, do what all that you can to live in peace with everybody. Don't condone it, but love them. Things should be very clear to you. I think we all can step up in that again. Amen. Amen. This guy's hard. hard. So I ask again, in light of all that God has done for you, if you're a child of the living God, if you have been saved by grace, if you walk with Jesus, how do you compare to this list? And be real with yourself. Really evaluate your life. I want you guys to go back and look at all those questions later on tonight within your Bible. Romans 12, 9 through 18. And really ask yourself, how am I living this way? Is my life a living sacrifice? Is my life missional to the world around us? God saved us so we can worship Him. He died so we can live. Now, you might be saying, like, man, I can't do that. That's really hard. Um, you, you know, it's just hard to do that. Let me remind you of what he did again. Because when we look at the cross, it's hard to complain about anything else, amen? It's hard to complain about anything else in our life when we look at what Christ did for us. And just think about what he did. He did something great for us. 
We have a great room. Amen. Also, we're the bride of Christ. So you are the perfect wife, the awesome wife. And he is the perfect husband for us. He is the perfect groom for all of us. And so how are we going to treat our groom? Are we going to clean and serve and love his children? Or are we going to stay home and do nothing and stay inside our little holy huddles and not do much for him? So I remind you how great he is. Says this in the uh, Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians five says, uh, "For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins, so that we may be right with God through Christ." He's so great; He gave His Son for us. He also says this in Isaiah thirty-five. It says, "He was pierced for our rebellion, not for anything He did for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins." Your sins, my sins. And he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. Come to wander, that song. Lord, I feel it. Yet we have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid him laid on him all the sins of us. I love that part. It says, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. He lived all of our sins and he put it on Christ, on the cross. And on the cross, Christ became the ultimate sacrifice for us. Amen? Come on, people. If you're not pumped up about that, you guys got to check your pulse. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the most amazing story in the world is the fact that there was a man who was perfect and died for all of us who were imperfect. And today we celebrate that. We celebrate the fact that he is risen from the dead. It wasn't enough just for him to die for us. That when he rose from the dead, he took the sin away from death and he made us whole again with the resurrection. Amen. That is awesome. Don't even run across. Come on. So we can live. So are you living? Thank you. Here's basically just what Felix is saying this morning to us is that uh, we've been on that theme. Jesus died not so that we could live for ourselves. We died to see what it is that you could do for others. What are you doing for someone else? And he hit, he hit the, the nail right in the hand when he said, uh, basically, we come to church and we feel that we get it all. So we now want uh, it done our way. It's got to be about us. And the spouse, the marriage, or the children, in the workplace, in the community. It's not our way. We don't like it. 